and it's uh, it's only a, uh, for me a, a something which is at the moment, but it will uh, it will not be forever. We will come back to uh, hugging and kissing. The St. Louis Symphony Orchestra returns to Powell Hall this week in a much-changed world, one that presents challenges for life and for music alike. They are, uh, you know, separated, I think, six feet from, from each other. So suddenly, each musician can hear himself or herself very well and uh, yet has to uh, try to create a sound mixed with the others. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Seven months after the coronavirus pandemic shut down large events across the country, the symphony is kicking off a shortened season of what it calls chamber orchestra concerts. Think big pieces, only with smaller audiences and fewer musicians on stage, too. And calling these pieces big is no exaggeration. Take, for example, this piece, which should be familiar to you and which kicks off the season. And that, of course, is Beethoven's immortal third symphony. That's the Eroica. And that recording is from a past performance by the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. And joining us today to discuss that orchestra's work and the rest of this season's highlights is music director Stefan Deneuve. So, Stefan, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to speak with you from St. Louis. I'm here. And we are so glad that you're back. Um, and we're excited about these concerts that are beginning tonight. What made you choose Beethoven's third for your return to Powell Hall? Well, I definitely thought that after so many months, uh, not having the luck to play together, we needed to just, you know, plunge into one of the greatest possible masterwork. And this one definitely qualifies. It's also the bet of a year. And this symphony was supposed to be played this fall. So for all those reasons, I thought it was the right piece to start. Also, the meaning of the piece uh, uh, fits perfectly because uh, it's so human and it expressed so many different emotions, including mourning. You know, the second movement, the slow movement, is a marcha funebre. And I thought it would be also a way to pay homage to uh, uh, the loss that we have had the past months. So uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a great symphony that still ends in an incredibly witty, hopeful fashion. So, um, so it covers many emotions that we have been uh, through the past months. You make a great case that this is the right symphony for this time. There's a great story about this symphony, and that's apparently Beethoven wrote it about Napoleon. He later changed his mind about Napoleon and and tried to revoke um, this dedication. Uh, He was angry that Napoleon had had named himself the emperor. Do you think this symphony also tells us something about hero worship? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, this symphony speaks about many things. It has been inspired by the values of the French Revolution, 
Beethoven was um, uh, very admirative of uh, the, the political changes in France and uh, even actually, uh, believe it or not, considered to move to a Paris to, to go there. And that's why actually this symphony um, contains some influences from French composers like Gossec, Meul, <laughs> Cattel, Playel, we, which certainly would have pleased the, the French audience um, if he moved uh, to, 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 uh, to Paris. But finally, he didn't. Uh, he stayed in, in, uh, in Vienna. And uh, uh, I, I have to say that there is a feeling of um, heroism, not only because of the man Bonaparte, who indeed uh, was the first inspiration uh, of the piece, but also because it's very inspired by another piece that Beethoven wrote a little bit before called the, the, the Prometheus, the Creatures of Prometheus, which was a ballet. And he uses some melodies from this ballet in, uh, in the symphony number no. three, the Eureka Symphony. And um, on top of it, I think there is a... Also, uh, uh, something about Apollo and about Beethoven himself. So hmm. I think this symphony speaks about really uh, people bigger than life that uh, try to, uh, to move the world into more freedom. Hmm. So the symphony has it all, really. Uh, this, this does seem like the perfect choice. You can have a little something for everyone, from mourning to heroism, um, uh, all these notes, a note of, of thinking about France, your homeland. Everything's all there. No, it's, it's, it's great. And I tell you, it was an immense joy to, uh, to, to start the rehearsals uh, and to be together again and uh, to serve such great music. I must say, we were moved to tears, all of us, to, uh, to hear the great sound of this symphony uh, in Power Hall. It sounds so great. And despite the you know, social distancing between the musicians and, uh, and the mask that uh, uh, the, the non-wind instruments uh, wears on stage, despite that, there is just the power of music, you know, it's there. It's, uh, con it's contagious the right way, <laughs> if I may say. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's just joy. It's just joy to make music together, thanks to Beethoven. So I understand you have roughly half the number of musicians that you would normally have. Does that affect the sound and, and the power of a piece like this? You know, you, I'm, a, I'm a positive person. Uh, luckily, I'm negative about COVID, but I'm positive in, uh, <laughs> in, in spirit. And, um, and, and the fact is, I think you always have to, take, to, to make the best uh, uh, of any situation. So, yes, we are uh, separated indeed. Uh, and, and that's why we fill the full stage, but only with half of uh, the normal amount of musicians we could put on stage. And I thought this is an opportunity to... Um, to, to find some other way of playing, to uh, listen to each other even more and uh, uh, to have a, a kind of soloistic um, uh, engagement in the playing because, you know, it's very strange. Normally, the string section is uh, like a, a wave of sound. People are very near each other and they don't mm -hmm. always hear their individual sound so well because they, they, they are so close to, uh, to other, other musicians. But here, they are, uh, you know, separated, I think, six feet from, from each other. So suddenly, each musician can hear himself or herself very well and uh, yet has to uh, try to create a sound mixed with the others. So it is interesting. It's a, it's a different dynamic. Um, it's a different listening. And somehow it gives a certain kind of crispiness in the sound. And, I mean, we worked, of course, to make, to make it uh, the most... Um, interesting experience, and I can guarantee our listeners that it will sound still as a symphony orchestra. 
It must have felt so good to be back together, but at the same time, I imagine there's probably people you wanted to hug, and and here you have to keep your distance even though you're seeing them again after months. What was that um, homecoming like for you? (laughs) The fact is, I think I'm quite famous uh, for being anyway, um, you know, a very big hugger and kisser in my... In my country, in France, you know, we, um, we, we always salute people kissing two or sometimes four times on the cheek, everybody. And, uh, uh, and it, it always um, surprised sometimes people here. So um, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it was for me even more strange to not be able to do that because I, I, I miss indeed uh, just this contact. And, and I know it will be back, though. I am... Um, uh, I have to say I'm a positive person and an optimist and we'll get through it and at some point we'll come back to to hugging and kissing and, and, and shaking hands and all of that because we are humans, we need it and we had pandemic before, you know, uh, in the planet and uh, mm-hmm. on this planet and and we always came back to uh, to the right warmth between each other because that's what it's about. We are humans and uh, and it's, uh, it's only uh, for me a... a Something which is at the moment, but it will uh, it will not be forever. We will come back to uh, hugging and kissing. It's good to know you're looking forward to the return of, of catching Americans off guard by kissing them again. Uh, we can all look forward to that. And, and not to dwell too much on, on the pandemic here, but I, I find myself also wondering, I know you have such an expressive face. Is it harder for the orchestra to follow what you're doing now that you're up there on the podium in a mask? It's, it's a very, very good question. Uh, I have to confess something to you. I really hope that I will be able to um, uh, to remove the masks uh, at some point for me because I'm far enough. In um, in Europe, uh, I've been now uh, doing concerts uh, with uh, the Brussels Philharmonic and also with the Bavarian Radio in uh, in, in Germany in Munich. And uh, uh, luckily, over there, it was fine um, to to conduct without masks. So. It's the first time here I do wear a mask because I want to give a good example and I think it's more psychological that the audience feels that we care for them, that we want to show that we we really are very serious um, to, um, to be, to be uh, doing everything to keep everybody healthy. That said, uh, uh, it is a scientific fact that f- uh, it is a bit unnecessary because I am far from uh, mm-hmm. the first desk of violins, uh, very far, even more than six feet, and, uh, and they are wearing masks themselves. So, okay, I, I, uh, I decided to, uh, to, to keep a mask for now, and when everybody will feel a little bit more comfortable and will understand that it is very safe for me to not wear a mask, I really dearly hope I will be able to remove it and it will be safe. This is the case for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because, yes, I suffer to wear a mask because I love to communicate with my face uh, and uh, to smile <laughs> and to uh, breathe with people, to to just uh, breathe with them. And, and um, it is very strange to uh, have only my eyes to offer and, and something is missing. So, yes, it's a compromise. It's for now. And... Uh, Let's hope that uh, that I can remove the mask very soon. Well, let's go back to something happier. We were talking about the fact you have the Eroica. Um, you're going to be doing that beginning tonight. There's another piece on the bill tonight and throughout this weekend that is pretty exciting. And this is something that I feel like people won't be as familiar with. This piece is called Starburst, and it's by someone named Jessie Montgomery. Who is she? So she's a wonderful young uh, American composer. She lives in New York. And um, uh, I, I met her there and I discovered her, her music. 
music. She's a wonderful lady. Uh, she's a great uh, player as well. Uh, she's a string player. And her music has a fabulous energy and it's about Starburst. So it's about actually um, uh, a, a, a play of on imagery of uh, rapidly changing musical colors you know it's exploding gestures and mm -hmm. and it's it has a really positive energy this piece it's a it's a great opener we got a little clip of this to play here now this is not the st louis symphony playing starburst this is something called the sphinx virtuosi and jesse montgomery the composer is the composer in residence of that conductorless orchestra let's listen And that is Starburst by Jesse Montgomery. The St. Louis Symphony Orchestra will be playing that in its uh, shows that kick off tonight. Uh, Stefan, in our last couple minutes here, just looking ahead, um, I know on the weekend of October 22nd, you have another really good bill. You've got some Strauss in there, some Dvorak. Um, anything you'd want to highlight from what is coming ahead uh, next weekend? Yes, with pleasure. You know, we really are restarting and uh, uh, we, we welcome people very safely now so we can really play music for an audience and this is so great. So we'll have many more programs to come, but already next week we have another program with the Metamorphoson of Strauss. And it's very interesting because it's a, quote, it's a piece quoting the Eureka Symphony of Beethoven. So there is a good link from the first week to the second with this piece. I have a little problem with this piece, I have to tell you the truth, is that it's extremely beautiful, but it's very sad and uh, it's very mm. apocalyptic somehow, the very ending of the piece. And uh, it is, of course, sad music can comfort us and heal our souls. It's very important to play sad music to feel better. That said, the very end of this piece for me is so special that it's hard to uh, imagine applause, you know, right after uh, clapping. So I had this crazy idea to, uh, without interruption, to go from the Metamorphosis of Strauss into a Japanese piece of today from the composer Yoshimatsu. Uh, and uh, this is really a, a, a beautiful piece called And Birds Are Still. And I thought it's, it's very important to know that whatever we do wrong and the wars we had in the past and what we do sometimes to the environment so far, the birds are still singing. And so mm -hmm. this will be a comforting musical um, version of that. Uh, so after Metamorphose, we'll have this, uh, this uh, Japanese piece that will comfort us in a very positive way. And we'll end this concert with a serenade for wind of Dvorak, which is wonderful, very romantic piece, uh, very uplifting. And, uh, uh, and so we, we'll be able to show again our full orchestra, but in parts, you know, the strings first and then the woodwinds, uh, you know, in two separated uh, groups. So um, you could still hear the full orchestra in one concert. Well, there is so much to look forward uh, here, and there's so much to look forward to throughout this season. So people who want more information about this, they can check out the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra's website. There's a full list of these upcoming concerts and also a full list of all the safety measures that go along with them. So Stefan Deneuve, Music Director of the St. Louis Symphony, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sarah.
Is listening to an episode of St. Louis on the Air part of your daily routine? If so, suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help new people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.